Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Europe has built up one of the best gas distribution infrastructures in the world. There's one problem though. Today, it distributes natural gas, a fuel that we'll hardly be able to use if we're to reach our net zero targets in the future. So can we use this infrastructure instead for clean hydrogen, either blended with natural gas as a stepping stone to net zero or with pure hydrogen in the future? Today, we'll be putting aside the discussion on the extent to which we should do this and focus on whether we can do this and what's involved in doing so. To explore the topic, I'm joined by two guests from gas distribution companies in Germany and the UK, together with my colleague and Delta EE expert, Rob Kastek. So without further ado, let's say hello to them. First, Eva Henning, who works for Thuga, an alliance of German municipal energy companies, as well as being chair of Eurogas's distribution committee. Hello, Eva. Hello, thank you very much for the invitation. And thanks for joining us. Eva, Thuga is a bit of a unique organization when it comes to gas distribution and energy distribution. Can you, in a nutshell, just describe what Thuga is? Yes, uh, thank you very much. Thuga is quite old. We were uh, founded in 1867 and we are a group of 100 utility companies all around Germany. We only operate in Germany and those uh, companies are doing gas, electricity, water and wastewater. The whole group together has 4 million electricity customers and about 2 million gas customers and they have also a lot of district heating. And the specialty is that the Tuga only has a minority share and the majority share of those utility companies is held by the cities and the regions. Okay, that's an impressive history and an impressive number of companies under one, one umbrella, uh, yes. part of one umbrella organization. Um, when it comes to hydrogen, how long has hydrogen been on Tuga's agenda and how quickly has it sped up the agenda in the last few years? So how long is exactly 31 years when I was employed because I already did my thesis on power to gas in 1989. Uh, so you're, the, you're the beginning then? I wouldn't say they employed me because I know something about hydrogen. They employed me and my husband together. No, but uh, re- really more in depth, it started at the end of the 2009-2010 when also the regulation was turning towards hydrogen in Germany. We already have hydrogen as part of our energy law and then we really started thinking more more intensively um, how to decarbonize the grids because we already had biomethane in our grids. In 2014, we built our first PEM electrolyzer. It's coming from the UK. It was built by ITM. So it was it was quite a small one. We only produced 65 cubic meters of hydrogen, but still it was uh, the first pilot plant. It was installed in Frankfurt and injected hydrogen into the grid of uh, Frankfurt. It was a joint venture with 13 companies. And we did everything to that electrolyzer you could do. We ramped it up and down and we put it in the balancing market. So it was really for us to learn and yeah. we operated it for three years. And then we said, well, now legislation and technical rules have to change. And since then, we have been very active. We have uh, pilot projects. We are part of the big pilot project in northern Germany. It's called in Heide. It's West Coastal 100, where we will inject in the future 20% of hydrogen into the distribution grid. But we also look into two pyrolysis projects uh, to produce hydrogen with a pyrolysis 
paralysis. Uh, we've employed eight people, so we have a big uh, we have a big group here within Tuga, which is looking uh, for hydrogen projects. And of course, my main job is to look at regulation and everything. And being being a company with a lot of gas interest, we have a lot of technical expertise, which is exactly working on the topic of hydrogen blends and pure hydrogen grids at the moment. Yeah. So it's very intense in Tuga, and hydrogen is on many many people minds at the moment yeah it sounds like you've got some really interesting experience you've built up learning by doing and uh, I'll come back to you shortly and we'll get stuck into some of what you've learned and what the challenges are ahead um, my second guest is Keith Owen from Northern Gas Networks in the UK where Keith leads energy strategy and systems development hello Keith yeah good morning and uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to this session and thanks for coming along. Um, Keith, uh, likewise, can you give us an elevator pitch for Northern Gas Networks for those of our listeners that don't know it? Of course, uh, yes. So Northern Gas Network is a gas distribution business in the north of England. So we're stretching from Scottish borders down to just south of Leeds uh, to give you a, a, a geographic size. Um, 2.7 million consumers connected to our grid, uh, providing heat service, uh, 24 seven. So a very typical sort of gas distribution mm. business see across the north, uh, across the, the UK rather. Uh, uh, and obviously working really closely with, with partners in the other gas distribution businesses of the UK. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, and your company, uh, sparked a lot of the interest in the UK, I think back in 2016 with your H21 study, um, around the city of Leeds. Can you tell us a bit about that H21 project? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, and as you might expect, things have moved on significantly since mm. since that uh, uh, initial paper. Uh, and and back then, the uh, the H21 Leeds City Gate uh, 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 report, as it was released at the time, was just looking at a a concept: is it possible to convert a gas network from natural gas as as we, we know it today and, and run it with 100% hydrogen uh, and in and in doing so decarbonize the heat story of of what we have in the UK so that was where we started with uh, uh, H20 and uh, that that has just grown arms and legs since that time to really explore the technical com uh, complexities of that what is a fa fairly simple question and is there a, is there a fairly simple answer we'll unpack it a bit in a bit but uh what did the that initial study how much of a simple yes no maybe was the answer uh, I, th so the, the original report uh, concluded that it was technically feasible to do this uh, mm. uh, since that time we've had a number of different projects within the 21 uh, h21 program uh, which is really exploring those challenges in a lot more detail to to, to establish the the the, the long-term safety case to allow us to transition across Great. Okay. Likewise, we'll come back shortly and dig into some more of those findings and follow-up projects. Um, now, to help us set the scene, my third guest is my Delta EE colleague, Rob Kastek. Hello, Rob. Hi there, John. Uh, Rob, there's a lot of excitement, and I should probably say a bit of hype around hydrogen at the moment. Um, how, if we look at the whole hydrogen space, we're focusing here on uh, gas networks, but how would you break down the whole hydrogen space and help our listeners understand where where gas networks fit into that hydrogen value chain? 
Yeah, certainly, John. So um, adult CE, we, we like to think of it as a, a three-legged stool. Um, so the, the first leg of the stool being the sort of the production uh, of hydrogen, mm -hmm. uh, the second leg being sort of the distribution and the storage of hydrogen, uh, and the third leg then being the, the utilization, so the actual use, use of the hydrogen. Um, okay. And when it comes to the use, uh, we, we typically break that down into sort of the transports, industry, heat and power segments. And if we're going to distribute it widely to buildings, to homes in the future, we're going to need pipes. Uh, and there, can we use existing pipes? I guess that's where blending and using existing pipes and new networks comes in. Um, for, for blending, what are we talking about, Rob, typically that you're seeing at the moment? 1%, 10%, 20%, 50%? So for for blending the typical sort of projects and trials that are being looked at today are sort of typically around 20 percent uh, but there are some sections uh, of networks in, in germany in particular actually that are also looking up to 30 percent or are planning to look up to 30 percent as well okay so quite significant amounts mm -hmm. and in terms of how much activity there is if we're looking at new pipes existing pipes blending um, or pure pure hydrogen. How much activity is there across Europe? Can you give our listeners a sense of whether it's just starting, it's a handful, or there are tens, or it's going on everywhere? Mm -hmm. So the, the short answer is there's there's more going on in blending currently uh, across mm -hmm. Europe, um, but it's still quite quite small scale. So usually there's um, sort of trial networks or sections that are separated in the networks that will then blend. Uh, a little bit, um, and if you look across Europe, the, the the sort of leading countries are definitely sort of the UK, uh, Germany, and Netherlands, uh, and and France as well. I would say, um, and yeah, so so there's quite a bit of blending going on on the ground already. So a, a famous yeah. um, UK project would be the High Deploy, uh, where there's been yeah sort of a 20% blend uh, being already. Um, supplied to a university campus, for example, uh, and those are moving to sort of sections of the public network as well. Okay, and what about pure hydrogen networks, 100% hydrogen? So those are definitely rarer still. Um, there are a few small live projects today. Uh, uh, there's a couple in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam, uh, and there's a little bit up in Scotland, actually, in Orkney. Um, but they're definitely rarer than, than the actual yeah. blending that's going on. But there, there are some very firm plans of actually sort of purpose building new 100% networks um, to sort of new areas, but also to existing homes. Yeah. Okay. That's a really helpful picture, Rob, because um, gives us a good sense of where we're at today. So, uh, Eva and Keith, let's come back to both of you and look first at blending and then at 100% hydrogen. So. Blending is not the end point for net zero, I guess, but it might play a big role in reducing emissions from using gas in the short and media term. And it provides a way to stimulate the market for production of hydrogen as well. So my first question is, how easy is it to blend or how hard is it? Or what do you have to think about? Is it a case of just shoving up to 20% in the network and sit back and relax? Or what's involved in planning and doing that? Eva, let, let's start with you. 
it's quite easy. You just build a blending station and then you inject it, <laughs> I could say. Now, it's assume that you have somebody who's producing the hydrogen. And as soon as you have somebody who's also delivering the hydrogen when you need it, so you need mm -hmm. to have security of supply. So if you take this assumption, um, as a DSO, I think it's quite straightforward. Uh, you have to look at your grid. You have to look at the components which are installed in your grid. You have to make sure that they can take whatever blend you want to inject which for most of the DSOs, I think, is easy as long as you have a polyethylene grid. Uh, in Germany, we don't have any more cast iron, so we don't have to worry about that. We have mostly polyethylene. Polyethylene can go up to 100%. You still have to analyze what kind of components you have, if there is anything in there which might be affected with the hydrogen. So that's what step might, number one. Step. What, what might an example of that component be for uh, well, if you think about the 20%, there will hardly be anything except maybe the discussion on the meter, but that's a special topic when you talk about the metering. Most of the other components are hydrogen safe uh, up at 200 to 20%. You might have something which is when you go from polyethylene to steel. So when you have those joints, when you have a valve, and sometimes in the valve you have mini, mini, tiny pieces which are made of high-end steel, they might be affected when you go up to 100%. And this is why we are analyzing now every component of, that exists in our grid, and we put, we put them through the test, we talk to the manufacturers, but you really have to know what kind of components you have in, in your grid, part one. Part two, yep. the customers. You have to know what your customers, what kind of appliances and applications your customers have, whether you have any thresholds there. We all know that the biggest threshold are the CNG stations because they only can go up to 2% uh, because of the tanks. Uh, and you might run into a problem when you have a motor, so CHP plants, which is very common in Germany, a bit less common in the UK. And when you have very specific applications for high-end industrial glass production, steel production, aluminium production. So as soon as you go into very special um, gas applications, but th yeah. this just means you have to learn about your customers, you have to know it, and then you can go. It's not that complicated. Keith, how does that match with your experience? Uh, yeah, it's a similar story here. Um, uh, I, I was going to touch on some of the things that, that Eva's, Eva's mentioned. And certainly, I think uh, one of the challenges is around, certainly in the UK, I suspect elsewhere, is around the billing of energy. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. energy is, gas energy is billed uh, volumetrically, or measured volumetrically, uh, but you're building energy. And as soon as you introduce a different gas to the nat natural gas mix, uh, that 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 influences the, uh, the 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 energy that you're using. So so there's a bit of work to do there, I think, in terms of how we how we maintain that accurate billing. And there's yeah, a separate okay. project in the UK to to manage that and and come up with some new uh, uh, new methodologies to allow us to to uh, uh, support blending in the future. Anything in there that's a showstopper, or all challenges that you can see ways around and ways to work through. Yeah, I think that very much. I, I would I would contextualise this as very much. There's a bunch of technical challenges, uh, mm. but engineers like nothing better than a challenge to <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and and therefore there are ways to uh, uh, facilitate uh, blending. There are then the the regulatory and market challenges which which yeah. need to be addressed. So that really we 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 just need to make sure that. Uh, each and every customer that's out there is, is is protected, is provided with the right sort of service, so they they pay for the energy that they're receiving. Uh, that we can manage the gas quality composition 
in a stable way uh, so, so that you know some, some of the larger users where that gas composition is really quite important to them uh, they, they know what they're going to be getting 24 7. Yeah. so it's all sorts of issues really rather than the can we can't we we, we, we can certainly do this we, we've got it running at Keele University up to 20 percent with uh, with Cadent Gas, who are uh, the, the the lead for high deploy, yeah. uh, and we're, we're uh, shortly to commence the public trial up at uh, in, in, on our site at Winlayton in Gateshead. Uh, so, first of a kind for the UK public trial of uh, about 670 consumers. So, real world setting, and all of these elements of work, this project and this research effort that's going in, is really to establish a business as usual position as quickly as possible yeah. so so we don't really see any showstoppers this is just about working through the technical and other challenges that are out there to to uh, create this new this new market i suppose for blended gas eva how much would you describe it as business as usual for blending today or how far away do you think you are from business as usual to be able to blend lots of different sources of hydrogen into your network it depends on the company, whether the company has already been uh, working on those topics. This is why in the Tuga group, we have many uh, companies getting together. So we have joint working groups uh, to get people accustomed uh, to the discussion. We have, uh, together with other DSOs, we are talking to the manufacturers um, to make sure that they are then proving the point that how much, how far the appliances can go. And I think in the last 15 months, the perception has changed considerably. When maybe in the beginning people were more like, oh, we don't know, we'd rather take biomethane. Uh, yeah. I think now they're getting more accustomed to it. Don't forget that in Germany, our legislation, the technical legislation says you can blend up to 10%. This is already part of our technical rules. Yeah. And we also have the, the, the full balancing rules and everything. We have had that for 10 years already. So we are maybe more accustomed to, uh, to the discussion on the hydrogen. And what Keith has just said with the gas quality and the metering, we have pilot projects now with the tracking of the gas. So you know exactly at which point of the gas grid do you have, which water index, which gas quality, which hydrogen content. And when you have this security, as a technician, safety is of the utmost importance. We want to operate a safe grid and also bring hydrogen safely to the customers. And this kind of knowledge is something that engineers love to have. Okay, so it sounds to me like, yes, you can blend. There's still a bit more to work out in terms of uh, some of those nitty gritty issues you talked about. But um, what about how much you can blend? 20% uh, is a number of Rob, you mentioned that potentially 30%. Where do you think you can get to with a percentage of hydrogen in the for the sort of approaches that you've talked about? Keith, do you want to go first, and then Eva? Yes, of course. Uh, so, so the UK position at 20% is uh, one which was taken. I mean, as you might expect in the gas industry, we've, we're fairly conservative in our approach. <laughs> uh, uh, Engineers. Uh, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, uh, so 20% so was selected uh, uh, because that sits within uh, uh, the, the range of gases that UK appliances are tested. So, so the uh, uh, stress test gas, the commissioning gas, if you like, calibration gases that are used in the factories to uh, uh, test uh, boilers, for instance, uh, it is is a slightly higher proportion of hydrogen than than the twenty percent. I think it's about twenty three percent thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, so so the twenty percent position was taken as a point at which 
there is no material impact on the appliance, which is a really important yeah. uh, aspect to this. Now, I've seen some research out there that suggests 30% is equally equally valid. Uh, I think I saw that from I think it might have been Cardiff University, but for the moment at least, we are we are holding to that position because we think that allows us to do you know a, a reasonable amount of of uh, decarbonisation. I think that's about six yeah. to seven percent carbon reduction uh, and and get things moving now if if there's a an easy win to shift to a slightly higher percentage in the future I think that's fine but at the moment we just need to get to a business as usual position um, okay I think we do get just to close out the point we do get to a, 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 a more defined decision point which is the diminishing returns that blending might give so there's a at some point there is a step change which says you need to make some material changes yeah. to the connected equipment. And, and then is point, it worth it or, yeah. Uh, or should we just go 100%? Yeah. Because is, okay. is, is, if you're going to make that level of material change, you, you'd be better Why off going away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Eva, you've talked about 10% being already in German law. Um, what sort of percentages are you working towards or do you think you could get to in Germany? Uh, so it's also the, the same, the 20%, it's it's one of those numbers where that has been around for some time now. Yeah. But now with, with appliances existing that have been tested going up to 30%, some of the appliance industry is pushing forward into this direction. Uh, if you have a grid where this is possible, it's great. But don't forget, you still have to have the hydrogen being produced and you need to have it with a high security of supply. So we are depending very much on the, on this question, how much can we blend on, where are we? Are we connected to a hydrogen backbone? When will we be connected to the hydrogen backbone? Do we have a hydrogen production close by? Do we have a hydrogen production close by which is producing in the winter time? Because I don't need it in the summer, I need it in the winter and I need it with yeah. the swing that we have. Uh, so yeah. there are a couple of things and as, as Keith has said, um, the low hanging fruit is to blend as much as you can without having investment into the appliances and the applications. The next yeah. step is then the question, where do you jump to? I don't envisage a jump from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50. Uh, it's more like you go to the limit and then you have to change anyway, because you cannot operate something with 50% of hydrogen. That would be hardly possible with the existing. And so we are waiting for those famous, and this is why I love High for Heat, the UK program. We are waiting for the hydrogen boilers and the hydrogen ready appliances, because this is the big push when we have them and you can switch them easily and cheaply i think this will be then the moment when you say okay now we can move well okay let's let, let's go on on that theme to looking at 100 percent hydrogen so let's imagine we've got the appliances there the boilers uh, the appliances that the gas cookers are are ready what uh, keith, keith you said the simple answer to your study was yes you could convert leads to hydrogen um, can you help our listeners understand a bit more about what would be involved in that? Because is it simple as switching off the natural gas and then putting in the hydrogen? Uh, what would be the biggest challenges that you'd need to to work through to be ready to do that? Um, Keith, sure. do you want to go first in there, then, Eva? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so so the, uh, as mentioned earlier, the H21 work that was done back in 2016 established it was it was technically feasible to convert uh, a UK gas network. So it wasn't necessarily uh, specific to Leeds. We used that as a suitably technically challenging example, but, yeah. but it, it was applicable from a, a UK position. 
and and in terms of what that uh, you know what what we're striving for here, the prize is that we can repurpose our existing infrastructure. Uh, that that's really where we need to drive to because that maintains low cost. Uh, uh, you know the. the Yep. maintains what customers are, are used to seeing we're not having to dig up the streets and so on uh, in order to put new asset in so it's a really important aspect of edge 21 is that repurposing what, what's the biggest part of that repurposing uh, or uh, is it relatively small is that is is it all suitable uh, so where we are at the moment uh, uh, the edge 21 program is as just about closed out phase one a report will be uh, uh, produced this quarter uh, mm -hmm. for uh, for, for the public to 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 read through and hopefully enjoy what they see, uh, uh, and we're now in the phase two. And what we're trying to do here is we, we the UK's gas infrastructure is slightly different to Eva described in Germany. We've still got uh, you know a reasonable proportion of iron in there, yeah. uh, which poses slightly different challenges to to the plastics. So there's been a lot of work undertaken both through the H21 programme, the H100 programme from Scotia's uh, uh, Scotia colleagues uh, uh, through high deploy uh, and so on, looking at the material science uh, and understanding the impacts hydrogen might have on all of the different uh, 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 components that are out there from polymers to rubber to plastics, yeah. brass, tin, steels, you name it. Because okay, it's not just the pipes, it's the joints, it's the compression it's stations, it's yeah. everything in there. It's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's it's valves, yeah. it's regulators, uh, preheat systems, yeah. all those different components. Uh, so there's been a lot of work looking at that in the, in the lower pressure, in the distribution side of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, more recently, we've seen uh, some, some really great work uh, spinning up through National Grid, looking at the high pressure you know the 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 you know 40 bar and above type yeah. uh, uh, or 20 bar and above type uh, pipelines to really start to understand the challenges there too because they've got sizable compression systems and so on mm -hmm. so so there's an awful lot of work going on looking at that what is the impact question uh, yeah. and finding answers and mitigation for that uh, but we, we've we've now we're now starting to move from a distribution perspective beyond the you know, can we do this uh, challenge, which we've we've gone through to the yeah. how do we do it? Yeah. Uh, so so the work we're undertaking at the moment is really looking at everything that we've learned thus far, and we, we're creating a microgrid uh, at, at a site over in in, in Cumbria called Spade Adam, where we can really simulate everything that the gas network does right now, uh, uh, and we're working with uh, our partners right across the gas industry. So all of the the uh, national grid and the other four distribution networks all working with us to create this infrastructure so we can test all of our policies and procedures so you know you, you can see that we're moving towards a position which is that right we're, we're starting to think about the transition and yeah. how we might make that work uh, and this is step by steps sections of our network would slowly start to be cut across uh, and and a little bit like we would do now if we're extending the network we start to target sectors of our our infrastructure to move across to hydrogen in a phased uh, program of work. Yeah, okay. So in principle, yes, it's doable, but the devil's in the detail and there's a lot of detail to work through. Uh, mm. But you're now getting to the stage where you're looking at, okay, practically what might this involve? Um, yes. Uh, Eva, in, from your perspective, 100% hydrogen, how, how 
close, far away are you? What are the big challenges? How much focus is there on that in Germany at the moment? Um, so uh, we have to make the distinction between existing, hydro uh, existing natural gas grids and new yeah. grids. So what yeah. we are looking at now is a new grid that we want to build and yeah. an extension. Um, which is fairly easy then to do this in hydrogen because it's the same material you can as we it. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, so you, but this just means you need to have hydrogen appliances and this is what we are still waiting for. We would love to have hydrogen fuel cells also for the heating. We would love yeah. to have some hydrogen gas uh, heat pumps, which are now in development. Um, yeah. so this is one, one part where we really practically are looking at. We want to build a project here in Bavaria. The other one is the question on repurposing existing natural gas grid to 100%. This is where yeah. we're doing this uh, dry study, looking at all the components, getting uh, the manufacturer approved, how far you can go. Um, and then, of course, we need to have the appliances which are able to roll out in this big numbers. And there we were still missing. We have a big project with uh, 35 other DSOs, because, as you know, we have in Germany 740 DSOs. That's a big difference to the UK. Yeah. And uh, we, in this project, which we do together with our technical association, we are looking how a DSO will do this. And as Keith has said, you're going to section. So you will have parts of the grid which are easily to be transferred to 100% because you also have a feed-in of 100% of hydrogen. You still need yeah. to have the stuff. It's, yeah. It will not be falling from the sky. So you will look at the part of the grid which is maybe newer or where you have steel pipes which are corrosion safe. Um, the big difference is that we are operating usually mid-pressure. So we are operating somewhere between 350 and 700 millibar our grids. We hardly have any low-pressure uh, gas grids. And we have lots and lots of high-pressure gas grids going up to 70, 80 bar. And so we have to look at the whole uh, the whole change from, from polyethylene going up to high-end steels. And when you talk about 100%, you really have to look at, at those loads that you have in the grids. If you use them as, as, um, as buffer, for pipelines or line pack, we normally yeah. play with them throughout the week. And the question is, can you do the same thing when you have them in 100% of hydrogen? Yeah. And this is why we look to to all anything that's happening in the UK with all the tests also that HSE is doing in Buxton. Uh, we try to learn from everybody, and we also try to disseminate what we are learning to everybody, uh, so we don't have to think uh, two times the same stuff. But it's do like it's doable. But it takes more time because you need to have the hydrogen ready. Yeah, you need the hydrogen. And Keith, as you mentioned, it's rightly a conservative industry. You want to be risk averse. Uh, yeah. So you've got to go very carefully and very uh, methodology, very thoroughly through each part of the network. Um, I think that gives gives a really good picture, actually, of, of where, where you're at at the moment, that um, both the big picture studies and then the very practical nitty-gritty things that need to be done. Yeah. Um, now as always time is getting the better of us so it's time to bring up the Talking New Energy crystal ball. Uh, this week, uh, and I'll put it on the desk next to me here, this week I'm using the dual settings of 2025 and 2030. So I'd like to ask each of you, uh, Eva, Keith and Rob, uh, where you think we'll be in those years in terms of blending and converting networks to run, converting existing networks to run on 100% hydrogen. So in the interest of time, short snappy answers, please. Um, Eva, let, let's start with you. So 2025, 2030, blending 
100% hydrogen in existing networks. Um, 2025, many projects with blending. We're going to have the hydrogen-ready boilers. We're going to have the gas heat pumps. We have the, re uh, the legislation ready, the European legislation, also the national legislation, which is a big part. Uh, we're going to have the guarantees of origin, so people will be interested in buying the hydrogen. That's something yeah. you, that you need. And we will have uh, first projects where you have pure hydrogen, probably in newer grids, uh, so they can be uh, built exactly already for pure hydrogen. Uh, 2030, I think we will have in Germany at least 20% uh, of hydrogen in the grids in, in overall, which means we will have grids which have more, we have other grids which have less. Uh, the hydrogen backbone, which will start in 2025, the hydrogen backbone will, will be advanced. So we will see hydrogen backbone going at least to the middle of Germany. And maybe if we're lucky, we're going to get some hydrogen from the east, from the Ukraine. So it's going to be fed from the northwest, coming from the North Sea, Europe mm -hmm. being converted to hydrogen and then having some hydrogen coming in from the east. So a lot of activity in the neck in this decade. <laughs> <laughs> That's an exciting picture you've painted. Keith, how about you? Yeah, top that, I guess, is the <laughs> challenge. Uh, so, so, yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's a similar theme, I think, in the UK. Uh, uh, by 2025, we would anticipate blending to be uh, a reasonably established and growing business, uh, business as usual operation commercial operation rather than uh, re research projects continuing yeah. uh, by 2025 we would we, we fully expect to, the, to be a number of uh, 100 percent gas uh, hydrogen gas trials happening across the uk we've mm -hmm. we heard a little from uh, from rob earlier about the uh, the work that's happening at east fife with uh, the yeah. h100 project uh, and and certainly the other networks have similar ambitions uh, and and uh, by that time, we should have all of the uh, uh, gas industry standards uh, converted across to uh, or mapped to hydrogen. Yeah. So we've got all of that industry technical support in place, policies yeah. and procedures in place. There will be still some work to do, I think, uh, considering the 100% uh, in, in the, the regulatory and the market sphere. Uh, that's quite a big, uh, a big area. Uh, it will require some legal changes and so forth. Uh, by 2030, uh, we, we fully expect blending, just as, as Eva's described there, to be a 20% normal yep. uh, landscape uh, across the UK. Uh, you know, really significant amounts of hydrogen entering the system at, at that point. You know, you're, you're into the sort of terawatts of, of product, uh, which yep. is amazing. Uh, but of course, by 2030, we would hope to be in a position where we're, we're really starting the, the rollout program. So we, you know, the, the, the planning work has uh, kicked on from 25 through to 30, uh, and networks are now in a position in terms of that supply-demand balance where the production is geared up, uh, the transition of the networks can commence, uh, and uh, as Eva described, the, the, the appliances and the supply chain for that uh, are also uh, in a position to pr pr provide what will be hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, appliances uh, on a on a fairly rapid turnaround basis. So an equally exciting decade ahead in the UK then, in the UK gas industry. Uh, Rob, uh, anything you'd like to add to that in terms of uh, a European perspective, your views, your thoughts? Sure. 
I mean, generally, I would um, echo everything even Keith have said in in terms of Germany and uh, and the UK as they being sort of leading countries uh, in Europe. So by 2025, in blending, I would say, yeah, many more sections of the network uh, will be blending will be blending gases, um, and maybe the countries that have signaled that they want to trial them today across Europe, they'll be starting to do that by 2025. Um, I think for 100% networks, we'll probably see a few more kind of purpose-built 100% networks and not so much of the conversion yet. Um, but moving on to 2030 now, I, I definitely agree that um, there'll be, yeah, it'll be much more established, the blending side of things, business as usual. Um, and on the 100% side, I do think there'll be a lot more efforts towards uh, converting the existing infrastructure, especially in the in the leading countries. Well. Rob, you, you had that very nice analogy of the three-legged stool um, production, distribution of storage and utilization. And Eva and Keith, I guess from what you both said, you will be ready by uh, by 2025 and 2030 from the distribution side, from the bits that you're, you're responsible for. So uh, an exciting decade ahead for, uh, well, for decarbonization in general, and particularly for, for the gas sector. And it's been Great hearing about your your experiences, um, your plans, the challenges, how you're looking to get over them uh, in Germany and the UK. So thanks very much, Eva, for joining. Thank you very much. It was great. <laughs> thanks, uh, Keith. Thank it was a good combination. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Keith. Complimented each other very nicely. Thanks to Keith. Um, and thanks very much, Rob. Uh, thank you, Rob. Uh, thanks, as always, to uh, everyone for listening hope you enjoyed that episode uh, and we'll be diving into other aspects of hydrogen in the near future I think in a couple of episodes looking at hydrogen boilers in particular and the challenges in developing them so uh, thanks very much everyone thanks to everyone for listening and look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode soon goodbye if you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcasts and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.